and welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And I'm Liz Gumbiner, and we are the founders of CoolMomPicks.com. And today we are talking about, well, honestly, the only thing every parent is talking about right now, school. Yes. What the hell are we all doing? <laughs> How do we know what the right thing is to do? We're going to give you a list of considerations to help you make your own best decision. Yep. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week, and we will do all of that right after this. First, a quick word from our friends over at BabyQuip, the number one baby equipment rental service and marketplace in over 500 cities in the U.S. and Canada. Featured on Shark Tank, BabyQuip offers thousands of clean, safe, and insured baby gear items. Visit babyquip.com. Again, that's babyquip, Q-U-I-P.com for all your baby's needs today. Today's episode of Spawned is also brought to you by our friends at Briars Carb Smart, partnering with American farmers for 100% grade A milk and cream. Okay, you have heard us by now. We have been raving about our new favorite frozen treat, Briars Carb Smart. It's available in tubs and bars with all kinds of delicious flavors like caramel swirl, chocolate covered almond, vanilla, peanut butter, and they're each only 150 calories or less and three to five grams net carbs per serving. It's so great for summer, which we are in the middle of, which you probably know, Liz and I are sweating in our closets right now. <laughs> Here's a special offer for our listeners from Briars Carb Smart to satisfy your next sweet tooth craving. Just go to briars.com slash spawned and get a $2 off coupon. That's $2 off to enjoy these delicious Briars Carb Smart frozen treats. They're so great for folks doing low carb, but you know what? Our kids love them too. Go to briars.com slash spawn to print out your $2 off coupon. Go do it now. Put it in your wallet so you remember when you're on your next shopping trip. So let's jump right into this topic, Kristen, because when we were saying, what should we talk about this week? There was literally no second choice. <laughs> yeah, I know. This <laughs> is it. The only thing every parent I know is talking about is school and what we're going to do about school and what does school look like? And oh and my school, God, school, school, school. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for good reason. Like we're doing the same thing. And so here's my one caveat for our listeners. I feel like this is becoming the new mommy wars, which terrifies me. And we do not want that. This is not about like, I made the good decision and you're awful or you're putting my kids at risk or you're alienating the like none of that okay we're not going there putting the kibosh on it right now i like it (laughs) there's no one right answer every family is different your family is different than mine is different than Kristen's. every kid is different every state and district and even school is different what we want to talk about is not what you should do unfortunately we do not have those answers (laughs) or we make a lot of money being psychics These are just the questions that we are seeing parents ask each other in forums, in person, in real life, and the questions they're considering that maybe you may not have considered just to help you make the best choice that's right for you about school this fall. That is correct. I agree with you on that statement. (laughs) I'm just like, I'll tell you what, Liz, I've been in the throes of this. I think most parents are. So I'm kind of jazzed, I have to say, about talking about this because I feel like I've been talking to everyone. So why not talk to our awesome Spawned audience as well? And you, of course. Yes, I know. So I think the first thing to consider is what are your choices? So I tend to get anxious about things when I feel like they're out of my control. This is very much out of my control, but 
but I feel more in control when I go, okay, let me sit down and list what are the possibilities. And at least I know I'm working with kind of a finite set of answers. So we talked about this a couple episodes back when we talked about homeschooling. So there might be homeschooling, right? There could be going to school, depending on what your school district is doing. There is more likely for most kids, especially in public schools, a combo of at-home learning and in-person learning or all at-home learning through the school, which could resume when there are vaccines. You may have the ability to be at school full-time, particularly parents of kids with special needs. I've heard this discussed a lot, like how essential it is for their kids to be at their schools, how it's easier for them to open. They're very small classes. So again, we are all in different situations. Yeah, there are lots of options, but I think it's important to know what the options are for you, right? I mean, we kind of listed off all the schooling options, but your situation may not be able able to accommodate what you're being offered, right? There are a lot of people talking about school options, and I don't hear as many people. I know we talked about Deb Perelman's article. She talked about it. There are some people talking about it, but I think we need more people talking about what you can feasibly do and what you need in your life right now. Yes. And I think that's kind of knowing who you are, what your limits are, what your kids are, right? So if you are a single parent, if you have two full-time working parents, if you are an emergency or an essential worker, if you're a teacher yourself who's called back to school, you all have different issues to consider. And so again, there's no guilt or shame in making the choice that's right for your family. There are a lot of things at stake here to consider. And you even said, Kristen, like, you know, some people who are putting their heads together and talking about hiring teachers who are furloughed or teachers who have retired or or something like that and having them bring together a group of kids of the same age in the neighborhood and kind of create their own homeschool pod so that all the weight doesn't fall on one parent so the parents can work. Yeah, I think it's really smart. They're also looking to enlist the help of college students, many of whom are home right now. So, you know, there are folks that are looking at alternatives, but I, I kind of want to just talk a little bit about some of the secondary things that you need to think about, right? Because we're all thinking about our own situations, but there are other things to consider. And that's everything from high risk health issues in your own home. You know, how about your family members, but also your extended family members? Because I know a yes. lot of people now have expanded their pod or their bubble to include grandparents, cousins, aunts and uncles, whatever, we'll name off a variety of people. And knowing how that might affect your kids and you, your ability to see them and, by the way, tap into them as help and resources. And I'm also thinking about the divorced parents out there who have custody agreements, whose kids go back and forth, and how will that affect that agreement if your kids are back in school and for whatever reason the other parents like I don't think it's safe I'm not going to be able to take them so there are some secondary issues beyond just your own kind of primary problems that you're dealing with right up front and that's a really good point because I mean there are some split families that live in the same town but you know when my kids dad was around he lived in New Jersey he was in another state and so there's that to consider too like different states are going to have different issues in terms of distancing and where you can So if you are a custodial parent, you may have more responsibilities than you had before when you were sharing custody if your kids aren't able to go back and forth as easily. Again, all we're saying is just know your own situation. And again, think before you're judging other people for their decisions because everybody has a lot going on. So the next question to ask yourself, and I think this is really important. I mean, this is one of the big things for me, is how is your school, your community, your state, your governor handling everything 
everything, not just school, but like all of the COVID issues from a health standpoint. (laughs) Do you trust your principal? Do you trust your administration and school board? Do you trust your local officials? Do you trust your governor? I'm like, go Cuomo. I think he's been doing a really good job getting the numbers down in New York. And that makes me feel good. There's a big difference between what's happening in Miami right now and what's happening in New York City or what's happening in even like one county in Louisiana to another county in Louisiana. So I think you need to really think about, can I trust the people I'm getting information from? And are they handling things well? So I feel like my kids will be in safe hands, whatever it is we choose. And that includes like potting with other families. That's not just about going into a school. No, that's a great point. And keeping in mind that your school is looking to your community leaders, your government officials for how they are determining what they're doing at school. So if you don't like how they're handling the state itself and everything that's going on already from a health standpoint, there's a good chance that the stuff at the school may not meet whatever you feel are your standards. Exactly. So I think that's a great point. And I think it's also kind of to piggyback on that question is to also then ask very specifically how your school itself is going to handle and will handle health issues. Yes. For example, I had to get my hair color done finally for the first time in four months. (laughs) Cue the angel sounds, John. And I know... You can't imagine like how reassured I was just reading their 20-point email about all the precautions they were taking. If you're not getting a minimum of that from your school, that should tell you something. Now, I know that you don't have all the information yet, but you should know that they're like, temperature checks are important. Cleaning every day is important. We're going to install hand washing as soon as every kid enters the school building. So I know New York City, for example, has a pretty strict protocol already starting to go into place. But I just heard from a friend in Orange County, California, who says the Board of Ed was saying there's no masks, no distancing. That would change how I feel about sending my kids to a public school. Yeah, absolutely. In my school district, we don't have a final word, but some of the recommendations were no masks required for anybody except on the bus. Distancing was only going to be three feet apart, you know, so I think you have to keep all of those things into consideration. I don't think they were going to do mandatory temperature checks. You know, it's important to remember that everyone has their own limit, right? Like we all have the things that make us feel more comfortable. And that is applied to this core quarantine in general as it things have been opening up. Yes, exactly. Some people have been very comfortable with outdoor play dates and seeing people and going to like four to five people gatherings like that would probably be me. And, you know, there are other people who are like, no, absolutely not. We haven't seen anybody. We go to the grocery store. We maybe see one person. That's it. There's no right or wrong there. I just think you have to consider what you're doing and then transfer that to how you're considering the school itself. Absolutely. Yeah. And so. then, of course, clearly there's the health issues and I think that's going to change week by week and we're just going to all keep an eye on that read the science and get good sources best we can but then the next thing to ask is what are your kids educational needs like their real educational needs not the gold standard they're on the ivy track I'm going to have them take 18 AP classes like what are their real needs and how will they best be met so if you have a kid with an IEP or special needs and they need instruction School may be the only way they get that. Kids with autism are really not able to learn through Zoom. Many kids, I should say, from what I'm hearing from boards and from a lot of parents. So, you know, it depends what your kids' needs are and if they're being met through the school, through you. Like, where will they best be met? Yeah, for sure. Also, to your point from the last podcast, which is so good, I really urge you to listen to it if you haven't yet. Kristen, I have not stopped thinking about how you talked about whether you'd be a good homeschool teacher or even guide them part-time. 
time, you know, if you're doing distance learning from home, and that you talked about your relationship with your kids being even more important than your skills in geometry and AP Chem. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, if you choose to do a separate program outside of your specific school, you know, there are online homeschool programs, there are cyber schools, you will need to be involved, you know, less involved when they're older, more involved when they're younger, and you are more considered a coach or a manager. But even in those settings, how are you going to function like that? And are you going to be able to do that along with everything else that you need to do? You know, those are things to consider. And there's going to be trade-offs. Yeah, it is. There's probably not a yes or no answer. No, I don't (laughs) think so. I think that's a tough one. You know, I also think back to how my kids did in the spring. Yeah. And looking at specifically what they got. And I know that it varied by school district. And I know that it was a shock to everyone, of course. And so, so many of our teachers and principals in school districts were scrambling, right? And I get that. And so I had kids who had two hours of Zoom a day, and then I had kids who really didn't have very much. And I'm keeping that in mind as I'm thinking about what the fall and even the spring is going to look like. You know, did you have to force your kid to like learn online? Like, was it a battle every single day? Do you think that you can feasibly do that and, you know, not have a drinking problem? (laughs) I'm joking, but, you know, I I mean, I feel fortunate because my oldest, who was in ninth grade last year, she actually did really well. She had a little trouble with some classes where she feels like she does better in an actual classroom situation. But she really liked that her school kept her to an actual school schedule. They had some Zoom classes and that worked for her. And then my seventh grader at the time, she had a much looser schedule where she was more on her own time. And she actually did a terrific job, which surprised me. I thought she would need more guidance. Her grades actually went up. That's awesome. Because she did better without the pressure of taking quizzes in 10 minutes in a classroom setting. And that helped me learn a little bit about her learning style as well. Again, it's about knowing your kids and what's best for them and what they need and how we can best give it to them. Absolutely. You brought up a really good point, Kristen, about how schools were scrambling to figure this out with no guidance. Now they'll have had several months and the summer to put stuff together. So we're getting really comforting, detailed emails from our schools about synchronous teaching, which is in-person video classes versus asynchronous teaching. Like, you know, here's a video to watch or here's an assignment to do your own. They're really talking about the different styles, what they'll have, how often. So it's good to see, will your kids have a schedule? Will it be more free-flowing? Will there be deadlines? Will there be classes? Do they need that social fix of seeing everybody on Zoom at once? Or are they just better doing stuff on their own. Yeah. I mean, ask your school what the plan is, you know, and if you don't have it yet, I know many people are getting theirs probably in the next week or so. Philadelphia School District just dropped theirs today and they're looking at a Monday, Wednesday, and then Tuesday, Thursday, switching groups of kids. So that's tough. That's two days in school. I don't, I don't know the details in terms of what will happen on those other days, you know, presumably online learning, but it's important not only to find out how often they'll be in school, but what will the online component look like? Will they be sitting in front of a computer for three or four hours a day? Or will they be watching a video, like Liz said, synchronous, asynchronous? Will they be watching a video and then doing work themselves? Those are important things to know and understand. Even if you're thinking about another kind of homeschool, cyber school program, those are questions you're going to want to ask them as well. And obviously, this also depends on your kids' ages. I mean, 
mean, we just can't talk about second graders like we do about juniors in high school taking AP classes and prepping for college admissions. So I feel like the difference in kids' ages is not really coming up as often as I would think in some of the experty articles about opening schools. You know, if you have a first grader, you're kind of projecting all your stuff onto that. Like, well, my first grader needs a lot more attention. If you have a high school kid, it's pretty different. Mm -hmm. You know, it really depends, again, on your own kids. We cannot say that enough. The other thing is, I think it's really important to consider the mental health and emotional needs of our kids because it's not just about what they're going to learn. It's how they're going to be, how they're going to function. I mean, we're already struggling with all these changes in our life, the alienation, the loss of (laughs) birthdays and visits and camps. There's so much that kids are already taking on. How are they going to be from a mental health standpoint if they're in a class versus not in a class. Maybe they'll be anxious at having to wear masks every day in school. Maybe they'll be anxious about being in a classroom. Maybe they'll be anxious at being home all the time and feeling like they're alienated from their peers. And that's what the AAP recommendations were originally, that you should really think about the mental health of your kids and not just the physical health, that both really are important and that we factor them both into the decision. Well, you know what, though? I just read an article today that pediatricians all over the country are dialing back on their recommendations. I'm not So I can't speak for the AAP, (laughs) but pediatricians are now dialing back on that whole, woohoo, must go back to school. So I'll be curious. I I need to read that article more. Of course, we will link everything up that we're talking about, including that, over on our podcast page on Cool Mom Picks. And you know what I discussed with my kids this week? Like, you know, I said, listen, for some reason, you are not in school or cannot go to school like what was happening this spring, we will make sure you have other resources for safe socialization. If we have to have like a once a week, you and four of your friends in your class get together and distance and do some kind of theater program, we will do it. Like we will figure out what you need to be okay socially because as teens, they really struggle with the alienation Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, like your school may be able to meet it, but you may be able to meet it as well being creative, which is what we parents do best. Yeah. Now, one thing I want to bring up, some parents are saying, I don't want my kids to slip. Will my kids fall behind? And it's really rubbed me the wrong way. I got to say, I'm not judging most of these questions, but this one has because I understand kids with certain learning challenges or special needs who really can slip in major ways. But for the most part, it really shouldn't be a top issue or even like a first consideration. And Rick Younger, who's a Broadway actor, comic, I love him. He tweeted something that I shared on Instagram and I retweeted where he basically was like, what do you mean my kids are going to slip? To where? Like, what is this arbitrary thing that we've decided that kids have to know by the time they're 18? Like, they must know these 18 aspects of science and they must be at this level in math. It's arbitrary. That's arbitrary. Like, they're not literally falling behind in life. Like, uh, somebody even responded to me, I have a first grader who's just learning to read. She said, oh, no, how will she ever find the time to make that up? And I thought that was kind of funny, like, that she was laughing about it. She's like, it's okay. Like, she'll learn to read eventually. You know, I understand that's a concern for some parents, but I think for most kids, look, we're all in this together. And Mm -hmm. every kid is going through this. So fall behind who? Yeah. Well, and also I know we do suggest talking to teachers. And I actually did talk to a teacher, you know, kind of off the record. And she said, listen, this year is going to be tough. And you really shouldn't be worrying about whether your kid is going to get, you know, geometry done, algebra two done. Do what's best for your family. 
do what's best for your family because colleges everywhere are going to know that this year was kind of a wash, right? They're going to know that 2020 into 2021 was not a great year for everyone. So don't worry so much about that, but worry about your own mental health parents. Worry about your family's physical health parents. Think about that and what you can feasibly do as opposed to worrying about whether your child is going to be behind in a certain subject. That should not be the determining factor. And that was what I got from a teacher. Yes, I think that's great. And actually, that brings up our next point, which is parents are asking themselves, what are teachers saying? This is something I follow a lot. Like, I love following educational pundits that I trust and respect on Twitter. I get a lot of good stuff. A few names that you might want to check out. Carol Burris, Diane Ravitch, Valerie Strauss, really, really good, solid, smart people with a lot to say, and they share good resources. And, you know, one friend in Northern California even mentioned to me that she found it's helpful to reach out to the local teachers union and ask them, what do you want? And then help support them in getting that message across. Because teachers get a bad rap and the unions get a bad rap, but overall, they love our kids. They're committed to what they do. They're committed to everyone's safety and health and well-being. And I think it's good to know what your teachers are saying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. It's also important to know what medical experts are saying. And I know that's tricky to figure out that information right now because there is, you know, it's been very difficult. But you know what? It's out there. Talk to pediatricians. Look at what the epidemiologists are saying. Read the research. It is out there and you can see what's happening. And then you can find hopefully some peace of mind in that decision when they're saying, hey, listen, this is what's happening. You know, this issue outweighs the other issue. Yes. Like, what are the medical experts saying? I mean, if everybody listened to the medical experts, everybody would wear a mask and we would not be where we are right now. So listen to the people who know what they're talking about. Please, 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 please. That's all I can say about that, emphatically. <laughs> Another question, and this is something that I think as a real public school advocate, is what is the impact on my public schools? Okay, I'm going to get a little political because when I hear the Secretary of Education, whose family business is completely invested in defunding public education and refunneling that money to go to for-profit businesses in the education world, and they say, well, if you don't do exactly as we say, then we're going to defund you and we're going to give that money to parents to help provide vouchers so they can go to private schools instead. That's really all code for we are trying to decimate the public school system, which is a cornerstone of democracy in our country. So I think it's really important to think about, even if you're not a public school parent, like what's going to happen to the public schools? What will that mean for your whole community? You know, like I know the network for public education, it's actionnetwork.org. There's a letter up there right now about telling Congress not to redirect coronavirus relief funds to vouchers for private schools. So just think about you know, the impact. Maybe it's best for you to opt in for distance learning through your school, even if you're not going to go to school at all, because that will help support the school and make sure it's still there and intact and functional. Plus, as you had mentioned to me earlier, Kristen, maybe that enables you to give a space to an essential worker's kid or somebody who really has to have their kid in school if you have more of the ability to stay home with your kids. Yeah, but also I would check with your board of education because in many cases, they have already allotted the funds and the school
schools will not lose the funds if your kids don't attend school this year. So I would definitely check. I was just on a Facebook group where someone was asking that question because Mm -hmm. it was really important to that person uh, to make sure that the public school was getting those funds. But double check with your board of education and find out, have those funds been allotted? What happens if you decide to pull your child out? Will they lose that funding for your child? And honestly, what happens to kids when all the like rich white folks pull their kids out? (laughs) I mean, that's like a big issue in cities right now. Like, do we further desegregate the schools? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So this is a class and a socioeconomic and a race issue as well. And so there's a lot to consider besides just the money. Like, what will be the long-term impact on the schools? And how can we continue to support them even if we're not sending our kids into the schools? That may be more important to me than some of you, but but it's something I factor into my decisions. Yeah, totally. I think we have to. There are a few other things to think about as well. There's so much here, parents, and we, we feel it as well. But these kinds of considerations depend, I think, on who you're talking to in terms of maybe you're creating a homeschool pod or you're creating a small group of kids, deciding whether you can actually trust that they're going to maintain some level of a quarantine and be safe. You know, so are these people that you're doing a pod with, are they your people, essentially, right? Are they like, yeah, totally. We're only going to the grocery store. We're hanging out with friends six feet apart. We're not having crazy parties in our house. To me, that's something to think about as you look at other options. Also, can you trust your kid when you're not around? Yes. You know, no one talks about this. No one talks about this. No one talks about this. And this, by the way, this isn't only when they go to school, because here's the thing. Yes, they go to school. Are they going to wear a mask? Are they going to grab school supplies from somebody else? Are they going to wash their hands? But at the same time, are they going to be able to maintain some level of attention at home? I know that's separate. Like, that's not a safety issue per se. But like, if you're doing work at home, can you trust that they're going to be able to get their work done at home as well? So it's kind of like, it kind of goes both ways. Yes. I mean, we let one of my kids go to a very super distancing outdoor reunion of some friends. And the amount of like stress and work and research we put into it before we said yes, because I mean, yes, we wanted to know the people in charge of coordinating this. We're going to keep the kids separate and mandate masks and all that stuff. But we also needed to make sure that, you know, our kid would be responsible enough to say, no, if someone's like, come on, just take off your mask or let's just do one selfie or one TikTok dance. So I think if you're going to send your kid out in the world in any way at all, I mean, this is good beyond COVID, obviously, but you want to know that you can trust them mm-hmm. because these are serious health issues. This they has are. big they impact. Are. And, yeah. you know, we're learning more and more that kids can be carriers and that older kids can get it. And this can be life and death for some families. It's that serious. So you need to know if I'm going to send my kid out into the world where, you know, I'm OK with face masks on the bus, but no face masks in the school. They'll have temperature checks. Like, let's say you're feeling good about that. Will your kid wear the face mask on the bus or are they going to be the kid that pulls it around the chin the second no one's looking? And I think you probably know that about your kids by now. Yeah, you do. And I, But I think, you know, when they're around their peers, it could be a different story. Yes. You know, so I think that's something definitely to consider. And and for us, I know, Liz, like kind of the last one I want to talk about is when do you have to make a choice? And I know that there are a lot of people, I think like you, right, you're waiting till the end. You're going to, you want to find out what's happening. Things are changing and you're waiting. I on the other hand, I'm kind of in two camps, right? So I'm in one that's kind of with you. Like, I want to hear what my school district is doing. But the issue is for me, okay, so I want to wait. But also, I kind of have an idea of what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm going to be okay with it. Like, I don't think I'm going to feel comfortable with what they've outlined based on the preliminary considerations that I'm seeing. And it actually helps me to be able to say, okay, 
I'm pulling my kids, we're doing cyber school or we're homeschooling so that for my own just well-being, right, and my own anxiety, I can then start to plan. I can start to prepare them for what's going to happen, that they're they're not going to be able to see their friends or whatever that is, as opposed to just sort of waiting and waiting and waiting. That right. unknown for me, and I think for a lot of people, is very difficult. De- very. And it's funny because I'm in completely the opposite camp. I've decided I'm going to be super zen about this. I'm going to research. I'm going to gather all this information. I'm going to hear what people are saying and suggesting. But you know, New York has longer. We don't usually start school until after Labor Day. The schools don't have to provide their plans in New York State until, I think, July 31st. So we have more time. So I've decided for me to ease anxiety, I've decided not to make a choice. Now, I also know that I have the privilege to be able to work from home and be more flexible, and not everyone does. But I just think that that's something to consider is, can you delay it? Do you want to delay it? Do you feel like Mm -hmm. it will help you to make a choice now? Do you feel like it will help you to get more guidance? I think the other thing is to just know that even if you do make a choice, things are going to change. We're going to learn something new in a week or two weeks or one month or a vaccine is going to pop up or we're going to learn something else that's good about kids or not so good about kids contracting it and everything will change all over again. So look, the one good thing is if anything has taught us as parents, it's that we roll with the unexpected. We are so good at going, didn't expect this, and now I'm going to handle this new thing that I never thought I'd have to deal with when I was in Lama's class. (laughs) So I really think that we as parents have the ability in us already to roll with things, make good choices, even as things change, and just go with the flow best we can. Even if it's a struggle, even if it's stressful, even if it makes us anxious, we will get there one day at a time. And on that note, we want to let you know that, of course, we will put everything that we've been talking about up on our Cool Mom Picks podcast page. If you have thoughts about this, you want to talk about it more, hit us up. Go to Spawned on Facebook. We've got a community Facebook group there. We are on social media. We have an email, Spawned at CoolMomPicks.com. We would love to hear from you. And we will be right back with our cool picks of the week after this. We are so excited to welcome back our sponsor. Perfect in time for the dog days of summer. Briar's Ice Cream. You probably know Briar's as America's number one ice cream brand. If you did not know that, you know that from our podcast by now because you are attentive listeners. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're very attentive. You also then know that it's a line of sweet frozen treats with just three to five grams net carbs per serving, all under 150 calories. By now, you should know how to hide them from your children thanks to our TikTok video because <laughs> our kids can't stop eating them. And you know what, Liz? I love that you can get it in a couple different ways, right? So the like the tubs, which is like so fun for Sundays, which we love doing in the summer. But then you can do the grab and go bars in all kinds of great flavors. Yeah, we've been about the frozen treats this summer. It's yes. like, I don't know why it feels special to just eat something on a stick. But, you <laughs> know, does. I've talked a lot about the fudgicles. But you yes. know what? We have some new caramel swirl converts around here now. Oh, so that's now popular. Okay. There's also chocolate covered almond, a little more adult, yes. vanilla, peanut butter, which Yum. I love. Plus, yes. Briars partnered with American Farmers so that Carve Smart treats are all made with 100% percent grade A milk and cream so you can feel good about them as you eat all your feelings this summer like we <laughs> and you can save money on your purchase they've got an exclusive two dollar coupon that you can go download right now go to briars.com slash spawn you can download that two dollar coupon you can try them out for yourself you can get these at all the major retailers target kroger amazon pantry that's just it's so easy go to briars.com slash bond for a downloadable coupon so that you can finally do it. Give Briar's Carb Smart Treats a try today. Not only will you love them, but when you download that coupon, you help support Spawned, and we are grateful for that. So thank you. Yes, very good point. 
All right, well, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. And Liz, I have a super quickie. I just want to tell Great. you what mine is, and I'm going to move right on to yours. Please do. Okay, I'm just loving the Babysitter's Club reboot on Netflix. I just oh. had to say it. It's super fun. I loved reading the books when I was a kid. I think they did a great job. And, you know, I've actually been watching it by myself. If you can believe it, Liz, I've been watching it with even oh, without my girls. three of our kids are watching it now. It's and so actually, fun. It got my 11-year-old stepdaughter to read the books. So she's now reading the books, too, which is really cool. That is awesome. I'm hoping that happens with my kids, too. Actually, Margot is reading the graphic novel, which we didn't have when we were younger. But, yeah, so very excited about that. How about you? What's your cool pick of the week? Oh, I'm so glad you like that. I need, I need to tune in. It's been kind of a kid thing, but I think I need to jump in. Okay, so here's a here's something for your viewing pleasure, more for the adults. I really want to recommend The Line, which I have not stopped talking about. It's a New York Public Theater, which some of you know that who originally put on Hamilton. It's an amazing company, theater company. And so what they did was they created a play written by Jessica Blank and Eric Jensen, who you may know from stuff like The Exonerated, Cole Country. And they created basically a docu-based play, but it's done on video. And it's streaming for free on their YouTube channel or on their website at publictheater.org. So here's the deal. It's all about the COVID frontline workers. So the line in March and April in New York City. And what they did was real interviews with everyone from like ambulance drivers to head nurses in hospitals, the first year intern right out of medical school who got drafted, someone who came back into work. So there's kind of these, I don't know, about eight types of people, eight really specific characters, and the actors are unbelievable. You'll recognize all of them. You'll go, oh, that guy from that thing and that guy from that thing. But Allison Phil from Newsroom, who's awesome. Santino Fontana, who was Tootsie on Broadway. John Ortiz, who I love. He was in Ad Astra, Silver Linings Playbook. Nicholas Pinnock, who's in For Life on ABC, like just an amazing cast. And it's just kind of a series of monologues, but it's put together like a play and it ends up giving you a sense of what New York was like for the first line workers from Mm. beginning to end and how you started to see the cracks in the system, the racial disparities, the disparities by income. It's intense. So it's probably not for little kids. I'd love to watch it with my teens, though. I would definitely see it again. It's it's really profound. I could not take my eyes off of it. So The Line, presented by New York Public Theater. So you can watch it at publictheater.org, or you can watch it on the Public Theater YouTube channel. You can even make a little donation to help them out or, you know, watch it for free if it's tough for you right now. I'm so grateful for all the actors and artists who are putting stuff out there for free because we know that that community is getting hit really hard. And this is an important play. I I think it's the kind of play that's going to be studied in playwriting classes and and acting classes. So I really, really recommend it. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. And if you haven't done these things yet to help support Spawned, please do. You can subscribe. You can download or save our episodes. Leave us a five-star review if you like our show. And you know what? Just tell your friends, family, your social media followers about our podcast. That's like the easiest thing to do. Actually, if you're in the podcast app, you can text it. So simple. You can do it right now while you're listening. In fact, if you're having one of those crazy Facebook discussions right now with parents debating about what to do, (laughs) this is a good episode to send them. Maybe it'll help you make your decisions. Maybe it'll help you have more things to argue about. Who knows? We hope it helps more than it does it though. And hey, don't forget about our brand new podcast, Out Tech Your Kids. 15 minutes or less each week, you'll find super helpful digital parenting tips, tricks, and advice. 
Click over subscribe right now while you're already on your podcast app. That's out tech your kids. Thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Wear a mask.